0: Well, you're no spring chicken. That's the first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe that? I guess she just didn't believe me, and I'm not going to hold it against her. She's been a tad cranky since she found a scorpion in her underwear drawer. I guess she just didn't understand what a miracle this was for me. Zechariah and I we had been trying our entire married lives to have a child of our own by the time my hair had turned gray and Zechariah's had turned loose well we'd pretty much given up hope but you know with God nothing is impossible he seems to delight in bringing life to impossibly barren places and if that wasn't enough the angel who brought this unbelievable news to us had even more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare our people for the coming of the Messiah. It was all too much of a gift to be real. But then I started to think, how were we ever going to be able to train a child for a job like that? But God had those details covered too and it gets even better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. No sooner had she said hello than my unborn son jumped and flipped inside of me. And right then and there, God opened my eyes to see clearly that this young girl standing right here in our home was also with child. And that child would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. About nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. And as I looked across the room at Zechariah holding our very own miracle child, I had a God moment. You know, that moment when you realize that God just had different plans. He had brought life to our barren place. He had not forgotten us. And he would never let us feel alone again.
1: All right. It is uh, an amazing story when you... uh, get introduced to Elizabeth and uh, to her husband, uh, Zachariah. And uh, that's what we're going to do in these uh, stories as we uh, move towards Christmas this year is uh, first Christmas stories from the birth of Christ. And it's so interesting. uh, We get to Christmas, we get talking about um, the Christmas story, right? Uh, I'm going to tell the Christmas story. But if you look at the Christmas story, uh, the Christmas story is one big story and inside of it are a number of small stories of how God impacted and used people to accomplish that bigger story. And uh, that's what I hope uh, you'll get, not just today, but from this whole series, is to see how incredible the heart and the mind of God is, to see far beyond what we can think or imagine. And certainly today, the story of Elizabeth uh, is just one of those stories, right? that Elizabeth is uh, a woman that we meet in uh, Luke uh, chapter 1. And so if you got your Bibles, that's where we're going, Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you got your app, whatever it is, get there, uh, Luke chapter 1. And it's really the story of Elizabeth and her husband, uh, Zachariah. And we're going to, I think, be able to glean some really pertinent things for our own lives, right? So often, too, when we think about the Christmas story and these individual stories, We use that term thinking, you know, they're just stories, and they're not. I mean, they're experiences of real people, how God worked uh, in their real lives, and he hasn't changed, right? He still does that today, right? still does it today. For Zachariah and Elizabeth, uh, it gets started in Luke 1, and in verse 6 it says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. So what do you learn right away about these two folks? They're pretty good people, right? They're pretty good people. I mean, they are earnest. Notice it says they are careful. Careful. They are earnest and intentional about their faith walk. They are careful to make sure that they are obeying all the Lord's commands and all of His regulations. I mean, they are living a righteous life. And it even says that that's God's attitude towards them, right? Notice, in God's eyes, how does He view them? The word is righteous, right? Isn't that what it says? Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes so this is even God's acknowledgement of who these people are that these are just faithful servants of the Lord and they are walking righteous they are walking in a right way uh, with God and that's what makes the next verse so confusing just absolutely so confusing because you see in the Old Testament theology was pretty simple it was basically, listen, if you live a righteous life, if you do it the way God wants you to do, you're going to have nothing but good favor in your life. And if you live unrighteous, contrary to God, then of course you're going to get the opposite, right? So here you have Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they are living righteous. So of course, what ought to happen in their life? Well, they ought to get good, right? They ought to get good. And yet, we look at verse 7, and it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. What's that tell you? They have a huge emptiness in their life. Right? Some translations uh, translate that, unable to conceive part, as Elizabeth was barren that's just like a big harsh word, right? Barren. There's just this huge emptiness in Elizabeth's life. Now mount on top of that a cultural understanding of that day, right, a cultural understanding of that day that clearly understood the primary role of a woman was to bear children and specifically not only to bear children but to have a male boy, right? that was her job and here you have elizabeth who has been married faithfully to zachariah walking faithfully in the eyes of the lord and yet no children and no boy elizabeth is living with a huge emptiness in her life we see it later on in the same chapter when she finally does get good things happening right she conceives And she acknowledges the emptiness that she's been experiencing. She says, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. (coughs) Excuse me. He has taken away my disgrace. What is she living prior to conceiving? What is she living in day in and day out? Right, in her own words, right? She's saying, this is the burden I'm bearing. This is her emptiness. She's just living. Can you imagine... Can you imagine how many, how many nights in Elizabeth's life, because now she's very old, right? Which is, you know, the Bible's way of saying the window of opportunity is past, right? She is very old. How many nights do you suppose Elizabeth cried herself to sleep? How, how many times? Because she walked righteously before God. How many times do you suppose she earnestly with her heart-wrenching, prayed and asked God for a child. You see, that's the emptiness she's experiencing. That's the emptiness. And we understand that, right? I mean, we understand that because we go through some of those seasons ourselves. We go through some of those just difficult seasons where it seems like there's just nothing but emptiness. Emptiness our prayers go unanswered, that all we have is just the disgrace or the hurt, that emptiness that just seems somehow to fill our lives. And the biggest trouble with the emptiness, the biggest trouble for us as a Christ follower, the biggest trouble for Elizabeth as one who is righteous in God's eyes, is that when she looked at the emptiness, she thought on the surface that it was so empty That God wasn't even there. It was so empty that God wasn't even there. She couldn't see. She couldn't see the tremendous miracle that God was using the emptiness for something bigger in her life. And that's the first big lesson of the day that in the empty, that's the phrase I'm going to use, the empty, right? In the emptiness, in the empty, in the empty. God was right there working in Elizabeth's life and preparing Elizabeth and Zechariah for something else in the future. That's the big lesson. Because we think so often it's just empty. It's just empty. No, in the emptiness, God was working in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life. They needed to go through the experience of the empty to be ready and prepared for the bigger picture of what God was going to do in their life. And the surface, it's easy to see they needed to go through the empty because it says they were very old, right? They were very old. They had to get beyond that place where anybody could look at, at the experience of her bearing a son and, and not look at that and say, whoa, this doesn't add up. You're past the years of childbearing. What is going on here? And it becomes obvious what? This is a total God thing. It's a total God thing. Because she was very old, because Zechariah was very old, there was no denying that this was an absolute God moment. That's what Elizabeth just said for us, right? That it was an absolute God moment. The first challenge for us is when we're in those seasons, those experiences of emptiness, when we're in the empty, is to understand in those empty places, it is not empty but that God can be working in those very places to prepare us for something else in our future. Finally, God breaks the silence. He breaks into uh, Zechariah, and he breaks into that emptiness. And he was able to break into the emptiness because Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, put himself in a position to be able to hear God speak. Here's the way it went. Zachariah was of the priestly family, and so he served in the temple. And it was his turn to serve in the temple. So it says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, burned a great crowd stood outside praying. So here's the picture. There's a huge crowd outside praying and uh, Zechariah is elected as the priest to go into the inner curtain and inside the inner curtain was the altar of the Lord and inside that was the holiest of holies, right? The very place where God was. And one priest was given the privilege of being able to go inside the curtain and burn incense on the altar of the Lord. Now what you have to understand is this is an amazing experience in Zechariah's life because there's like 18,000 priests that were probably serving right alongside of him in the temple and what are the odds that by lot that's what it says in the text and as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot right it's short straw stuff what are the odds that by lot Zachariah would be the one chosen out of 18,000 do you see God working in the empty Zechariah is chosen, out of the 18,000, to go into the holiest of holies. And when he's in there, the silence is broken. And God speaks to him through an angel. Now, I want you to think about this. Zechariah, in the middle of his emptiness, continued to act and behave faithfully and righteously before the Lord, even though he had emptiness. And he kept putting himself in a position where God could speak into his life. Why is that important? Well, it's important because so often we do exactly the opposite when difficult things happen in our lives. Right? When difficult things, when we get into that emptiness season, right? When it's just, it seems like God's just not there, that God's just not working, that it's just not coming together, it's just not the way it's supposed to be, Right? And we tend to draw ourselves away. We take ourselves away from the opportunity of God speaking into our life. We stop coming to worship. We drop out of our small group. We stop doing our daily devotions or prayers, right? We we put ourselves, we draw away and put ourselves in that position. Zechariah didn't do that. He could have phoned it in, right? Zechariah that day could have just said, you know what? I'm getting tired of serving the Lord in the temple. I'm just going to call in sick today, right? I, you know, I'm just kind of fed up with this whole emptiness thing. We're living righteously. God's not delivering. We don't have a kid. I'm just kind of fed up with the whole deal, so I'm just kind of out of it. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Instead, he just kept persevering and putting himself in a position of being able to hear God speak. Here's the truth. Here's what we believe. We believe that God promises that right now he is present in this room. That you've put yourself in a position by virtue of being in this room today to be able to hear and feel and experience the presence of God. that's what it is because you may be in an emptiness that he wants to speak to in this very moment or an emptiness that he wants to step into in the simple gifts you just received you see that happens when you draw yourself close and you put yourself in a position to be able to hear God speak Zachariah is in there burning the incense and it says While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear, you bet, when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. This is amazing. It's been 400 years since God has spoken in this overt way. It's been 400 years since God has spoken in this overt way. And because Zechariah puts him in the position, God now intervenes into his emptiness and he speaks a word of promise into his emptiness. Now, here's the challenge. If God intervenes and speaks into that emptiness, you got to be ready to follow wherever he's leading. This is Zechariah's challenge. Right? So the angel shows up, God breaks the silence, God speaks into his life. Look at Zachariah's response. Zachariah said to the angel, "How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. You know what the translation of that is, right? The translation goes something like, "Are you kidding me? I'm not sure the equipment still works." right?" That's the vernacular translation. It's I'm sure in the in the Hebrew there somewhere, the Greek somewhere, right? You get the gist. You got it? You know it. Okay. So I mean that's what he's saying, right? What what's happening? God is intervening into the emptiness. But he's doing something bigger and broader than Zachariah ever imagined. Zachariah's like, this doesn't add up. This this isn't what I expected. It's, it's not how I drew it up. It's not the way I wrote it out. It's not the way it's supposed to happen. This should have happened several years ago when I was younger and she was younger and everything worked. You see, it's supposed to happen that way. What do you mean now God's going to... You see, when God intervenes, you've got to understand, it may not be an intervention and an outcome that you expect because He's doing something bigger and broader than just your small story. That's the way it is for Elizabeth and Zachariah. It's not the way they expected it, and God indeed is doing something bigger and broader than they ever anticipated. They thought they would just have a son. That's it. They just prayed for a son, a child, and they get it. The angel said, "I'm Gabriel. I'm standing in the very presence of God, and I'm here to. And I was here to, sent. Uh, yeah, it's He who sent me to bring you this good news." So He speaks with authority. He says, "Look." Zechariah, you got to get this, man. I'm speaking with authority. This is the way it's going to happen, and that's not a new story for us. It's not a new story for us, that God is going to work in a way that we don't anticipate. We just have to trust His way is bigger and better than what we would write it up. And he's done it before. Look at this. Noah, Noah built an ark for a hundred years before one drop of rain fell. Bigger than he imagined, right? Abraham and Sarah, another couple who waited for a child, waited under that promise of a child 25 years beyond the age of childbirth before Isaac was born in the world. Or Moses. Moses was out in the wilderness herding sheep for 40 years before he walked up to a burning bush and God spoke into his life. See, it may not always come. It may not always be the way we expect because God is doing something according to his purpose that is bigger than just our simple story. And so Elizabeth becomes pregnant, goes in seclusion for five months and says, wow, how awesome is the Lord. He's taken away my disgrace of having no children. She's pregnant to have a child. But this won't be just any child. It's not just any child. Again, God was doing something bigger. And so they know the joy of having a child, right? In their story, they get the joy and the abundance of having a son. But that son is meant for something bigger. And you can see it as the angel describes to Zechariah what this child is going to be. You'll have great joy and gladness. Yes, they do. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Did you get the number of times we said he will? Do you get a sense this kid is going to do something bigger than either Elizabeth or Zachariah ever thought? That's the deal. You see, God is at work in even the emptiness. We just need to put ourselves in a position to receive whatever it is He wants to accomplish in our lives. But we have to be ready to understand that what He's doing is bigger than just us. And so it is with Elizabeth, so it is with Zechariah. That this child is going to do something bigger than just be their son. He will be the one that prepares the way for the child that's born into the world and will change your life. He's the one that will change your life. That this John, this son of Elizabeth and of Zechariah, will come. And he has the possibility to take your emptiness and fill it. He has the possibility to enter into whatever your emptiness or disgrace is and remove it. He has the possibility to enter into your life whatever it is and how small it may seem to you and make it bigger and greater than you ever imagined. And there's proof of it in the story. There's absolute proof of it in the story. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and she greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What just happened? God just confirmed to Elizabeth everything that he had promised. That experience right there is a confirmation experience that God is doing something bigger than she ever thought. In her emptiness, she just prayed for a son. And in the emptiness, God entered in to give her something bigger and greater, part of a bigger story. So here's the deal today. We're in this room. God is in this room. What is the emptiness that he needs to speak into in your life today? What is it you're prepared to receive from him that may take your life in a different direction than than you would have drawn it up or thought? And are you ready to just surrender to the one who can change your life and fill your emptiness? Are you ready? to have him take hold of your life like he took hold of Elizabeth and Zachariah, and put you on a path bigger and greater than you ever thought possible. Because like Elizabeth said, with God, all things are possible, even in the emptiness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that today we can come before you and uh, we can know the promise is true that you are indeed here in this room and we humbly ask that you would speak in this moment into any of the emptiness any of that barren wilderness that we carry there are nights that we too cry ourselves to sleep and nights that we just earnestly heart-wrenchingly pray speak to us let us know that you are working even when it seems empty And help us to receive whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is you dream for our lives, whatever you want to accomplish, and that our story isn't just one single story, but it's part of something so much bigger and greater than ourselves. And thank you that through John, we could hear the word of the one to come and that we would come to know that Jesus is Lord. Help us to follow him to the ends of the earth until that day we stand before him in the kingdom of heaven. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.